Welcome to Ulcerative Colitis Autoimmune Healing Journey. I am your journey guide, Jay India, and I'm so happy that you are here because this is a supportive, positive environment where we can heal together. Please note I am not a doctor or health professional in any way. If you would like to attempt something mentioned in this episode, please consult your doctor or mental health professional first. Today we are discussing owning a cow farm and humanely raising cattle and eating grain-fed beef as a UC person. This is a digression from our normal topics, I know, but I've talked a small amount about other parts of my life, and I'm going to tie this topic into UC, so hopefully you find this episode a little bit interesting. Just a warning for anyone who is sensitive when discussing animals, or if you are vegan for humane reasons, I will touch upon the processing of our cows. I will not be graphic but there are details that may be disturbing to some. To start, I married into this cow farm way of life. My husband grew up on ranches in Wyoming and Colorado and then raised cattle as an adult. From his childhood experiences, he had helped take care of 500 cows at one time. In contrast, I am a Jersey girl through and through. (laughs) For my international listeners, that means I'm from the Sopranos, Jersey Shore state of New Jersey right next to New York. And I grew up in a suburban area and had no interest whatsoever in farming or cows. When my husband Craig and I were seriously dating, we actually lived in an RV for a year and a half, which was quite the experience. We even lived in the RV in freezing Northeast winters. I actually, I didn't mind it, but it wasn't Craig's thing. We saved a good amount of money and used it for the down payment for our farm. Craig's dream was to have a barn and two cows, and now we have two barns and one silo, and sometimes up to nine cows. I wanted to live in a metaphysical area, which we do, and it's a beautiful farming area, so we got the best of both worlds. After we bought the farm and moved in, Craig began researching for high-quality Black Angus cows. Black Angus cows are beef cattle. Black Angus are not milking cows because they do not produce enough milk. He found an award-winning Black Angus breeder a few hours upstate, so we took his truck and horse trailer and went and got the cows. These two cows are our breeders, and their names are Diamond and Silk. And Diamond is I would say she's more the fussy one. She's a little more standoffish, but she's still very sweet. And Silk is our very sweet mommy cow. She just has a very nice, calm personality. Because they are Black Angus and Black Cow Lives Matter, we try to give all our cows African-American or famous Black names, such as Michelle Obama or Mike Tyson. So we had a cow named Michelle Obama. We then called her Mo. We have our newest calf. His name is Mike Tyson. And we call him Ty or Tyson, usually Ty. And if he was a girl, we were going to call her Cecily Tyson and still say Ty. You can take a look at our farm on Instagram at the Vintage Farm NY. That's NY for New York. The one thing I've learned about farming that I never knew, and yes, I know this sounds so ignorant and green, is that owning a farm is mother effing expensive. Cows cost a lot of money, fences, hay, and grain cost a lot of money, and everything. (laughs) 
is just thousands of dollars. I was not prepared for that. You think something would be, okay, this is going to be a couple hundred bucks, and then it turns into thousands of dollars. In other words, money goes out like water, at least on this farm, and I'm trying to get used to it. If you have a dream of owning any type of farm, research, research, research. I have to say that I had a friend or had a friend who she wanted to own a bison farm. And I think she was pretty well educated on that, but I have heard of someone who tried to start a bison farm near us and they didn't have the fencing. You have to have steel fences for bison or for bulls or something like that. You can't just have these wooden fences because a bison or a bull just blow through it. So (laughs) if you don't research, then you could be in a lot of trouble. Imagine trying to wrangle a bull or a bison running down the highway. So there you go. Owning a farm is a ton of money spent all the time. But if you love it, you love it. And there are some people out there that are really... This is their passion and this is what they're good at and this is their meditation and that's my husband 100% and it's also a ton of physical labor. Also, everything is 24-7. Unless you have a lot of money and you can pay a staff, you are married to the farm for as long as you have it. And I just want to say this, because we live in a rural area and our nearest town is around 15 minutes away, when we try to get someone to help us just on a once in a while basis, it's hard. It's nearly impossible because these farm workers, and understandably so, want to have a consistent job and they want to be paid on a consistent basis and have a full-time job. So having this intermittent worker really, it's hard to find unless you can find a neighbor that's into it. Uh, Luckily, we found a teenager who helps us out from time to time, but now she's going to go off to college next year. So then we're screwed again (laughs) and we have to figure out another solution. But the issue is, you know, we can never take a two-week vacation. It's just not possible until we don't have animals anymore because we have a problem here getting dog sitters and we have a problem here getting cow sitters. So I just want you guys to realize that if that's something you're very interested in and you're looking at an area, ask around and say, hey, is there anyone in the area who has a service where they help intermittently with farm work? I can call them on a need to uh, do basis instead of someone that you have on full-time staff. But if you have the money, then you're good. Other than that, just know you're going to be putting in a ton of physical labor and you're going to be waking up really early. And I think if you're into it, it's extremely rewarding. It's extremely rewarding for my husband. But for me, honestly, (laughs) I love the cows. I love the farm. I love where we live. I think the farm's beautiful. I'm happy here the whole nine. But, you know... If uh, we finally say, okay, we're going to sell the cows and Craig and I are going to buy a small plane and he's going to pilot me around, I would be much happier doing that. But I'm just putting that out there. (laughs) Back to the cows. Diamond and Silk are from award-winning stock. Craig is a member of Black Angus Associations where they mail magazines so you can look at the cows and all their details. It's no joke when you look at it. Some of these cows sell for thousands upon thousands of dollars. For example, at auction, we have seen a cow sell for $17,000. Yep. Uh, These magazines are always where Craig buys the bull semen 
to inseminate the cows. Remember, cows are female, bulls are male, and a castrated bull or a bull with his balls cut off is called a steer. You can't just let a bull grow up into a bull unless you have sturdy fences in the space. That is why we castrate the bulls when they're babies. So back to the insemination process. You have to wait until the cow is in heat, and then we call the big animal vet who comes and inseminates her. And the cow loves it. It's not anything negative for the cow. She likes it. I guess when you're horny, you're horny. Craig buys straws of bull semen. And yes, it's not uncommon for me to open my refrigerator and see straws of bull semen. (laughs) The vet puts it up or inserts it in the cow's vagina to impregnate her. Then we watch to see if the semen took. And if it did, the vet will return and do an ultrasound to find the baby. So how do we know that the semen took? We know because the cow has not come into heat again. Craig also implants embryos, which are not cheap because again, they're from award-winning stock. For example, the three embryos that he bought are from a $250,000 bull and a $50,000 cow. So yeah. When Diamond and Silk, the mom cows again, have their babies, these calves nurse for eight to 10 months, and then they have to be weaned. It hurts the mother to keep nursing. We move the calves to a different pasture where the moms and babies can still see each other. Otherwise, it's absolute mayhem if they cannot. And it takes a week or so for the babies to calm down. Uh, For us, we're pretty lucky because... So far in these past several rounds, it's only taken a few days of mooing and then they're usually okay. And I think that's because they can see each other. The moms kind of don't care (laughs) after a couple days once they realize their babies are okay because they just want to be left alone and they want their udders to heal and they're exhausted mommies and they just kind of like being by themselves. These babies or calves live for a year and a half in their pasture and barn, and we call them feeders because they will be processed, or I hate to say this ugly word, slaughtered, or some people say butchered. We give them the best life possible. We call our farm Canyon Ranch for Cows. We pet them, and sometimes Craig will rake their backs because it's like a massage to them. Also, when it's hot out, he will spray them with a nice mist of water, which they love as well. They live in a beautiful pasture with trees for shade, two feed bunks, meaning where we feed them, and a run-in shed or small barn where they can escape from the elements. We maintain the utmost standards of humaneness. We do feed our cows grain which I know many people dislike. We know exactly where the grain comes from. Craig picks up the grain himself, knows the manufacturer personally, and he can tweak the ingredients. There are no chemicals in our grain. Here are my two cents on grass-fed versus humanely raised grain-fed beef. Our grain-fed beef is graded prime, which is the highest quality. For example, Ruth Chris Steakhouse sells prime steaks, but grass-fed beef can never be graded prime. In the grocery store, you are buying choice beef, which is a level below prime. The other thing I want to say about grass-fed is I always challenge anyone to visit a grass-fed cow farm. I mean, 
we're grass fed too, but I mean 100% grass fed, no grain, no hay is supplementing. Well, hay is grass, but you know what I mean. These cows to me <laughs> look anorexic. And our cows will grow up to be uh, 1,600 pounds. Their cows are 800 pounds. And you can see all their ribs. They look very sick. When the hamburger comes out, when they're processed and they have hamburger, the hamburger is excellent. I love grass-fed hamburger. I think it's the most delicious thing in the world. I also love our beef, which I think is actually better, but hey. <laughs> um, but if you go to the grocery store, you will notice that no one likes to buy the grass-fed steaks because they have no marbleization or fat. And that does not make for a good steak. So when I go to the grocery store, I see that the grass-fed hamburger is all bought up, but then the grass-fed steaks are all sitting there. So just know that when you have a really good steak, right, when you go to Ruth Chris or something like that, know that you're getting a grain-fed steak. If it is graded prime, if it has that amazing fat or marbleization that is 100% grain fed. We also vaccinate our cows and spray on anti-lice and anti-horsefly chemical once a month on each cow. Again, I know these decisions are controversial, but the people making these accusations do not watch the cows suffer on a daily basis if they are not vaccinated or sprayed. The horseflies, you guys, they're humongous and they constantly bite the cows and it is torture to watch it. It is not fun because these cows are not left a moment in peace if they have horse flies around. Anyone who has a sense of kindness and humaneness will vaccinate and spray. If one cow gets lice or even worse, brucellosis or leptospirosis, the latter two can wipe out an entire herd and put nearby herds in danger. Why is that possible? Because if the large animal vet comes to our farm and finds out that we have brucellosis, for example, and then goes to the next farm, that's not good. Now, when the large animal vets come, what happens is, is they always sanitize to the best of their ability, and then they go on to the next farm. But you can only sanitize so much. So that's why vaccination is so important, at least for cows. I understand a lot of my human listeners, right, uh, are very against vaccination, which I, again, I've said this on this podcast many times, that that is a personal choice. And I have looked at all aspects of it. And I respect all aspects. But in this situation for cows, I would say it's an absolute danger to not only my farm, but the farms around me not to vaccinate. The TV show Yellowstone covers these topics well because as a viewer, you see what happens when a cow tests positive for brucellosis. It's an absolute disaster. We choose to keep our cows healthy and happy. They have grass pastures, and we also feed them grass hay. Again, we buy our hay from our neighbor so we know exactly how it's farmed. We feed uh, the mom cows, again, diamond and silk, grain as a treat daily. The feeders are on a feeding schedule where Craig increases the grain intermittently until they are at full feed. To me, the grain smells like a yummy treat, like molasses or sometimes peanut butter. So the cows absolutely love it. 
After a year and a half, the feeders are ready for processing. We choose the most humane USDA-approved facilities. We drop the feeders off the day before they will be processed so they can get used to their surroundings and be calm for processing. The facility gives them hay and water. The next day, they are brought in one by one to be processed. The processor humanely puts down each cow. We opt for having the cow stunned so they don't feel anything. The beef then hangs for 10 days or longer. It could be weeks. The processor then cuts up and packages the beef. Everything is vacuum sealed, labeled, dated, and put into boxes. Then we pick up the beef and distribute it to our customers. Okay, so I want to tell you a processor story because this is a really good story. And again, if anyone is listening to this and says, oh, I really want to own a pig farm or a cow farm or whatever, this is really an interesting story. We had a processor near us. So when we moved here in late 2019, and then I think it was late 2020, we wanted to start processing our cows. Here's the thing. You can't just decide, okay, it's time to process a cow and get an appointment. You have to make an appointment with these processors at least a year ahead of time. That is how backed up they are. So you have to plan a year ahead to process your cows on that exact date. There was a processor not far from us, 10 minutes from us, and we kept hearing mixed reviews. So Craig had a friend who said, and and by the way, the friend's a legit good person who said, I use this processor, he's grumpy, but he does a great job. But then if you go online, we heard horrible things. And then Craig had went in there and they were just really rude. I was just getting this intuitive bad vibe. And Craig had signed up with them because I get it, you know, it's 10 minutes down the road, it's easy. And he's hearing from reliable sources that they do a good job on the actual processing. Yeah, they're not nice people to deal with, but, you know, they do a good job. I just could not get over it. I said, I don't want to use these processor, this processor. And he got mad at me, of course, and said, you don't know what you're talking about and you've never done this and blah, blah, blah. And I agreed with him, but I said, something isn't right and I can't put my finger on it. And it's more than the bad reviews and all of that. So... <laughs> I made him uh, look at different processors and the one we ended up using that year was two hours and 18 minutes away, one way. So that's a big difference from hauling cows for 10 minutes, right? But we loved them. We toured the facility. It was super clean. We loved the people. They were so nice. Uh, we felt that they were very honest. They weren't going to skim our beef or try to steal from us or do anything. And then we ended up using another processor just under an hour away. And again, we have been very happy with them. They've been great. Same thing, clean facility, very nice people, easy to work with, whole thing, heard great reviews all around. So keep in mind, we still have this date with the original processor 10 minutes away. And we look at the other facilities and Craig's happy with them. So we sign up for the other facilities and then Craig cancels with that original processor. COVID happens, height of COVID, and with the original processor, the USDA comes into the processing plant. And the story we heard was that 
none of the workers were wearing masks and that the USDA inspector questioned the owner and the owner basically said, go F yourself. (laughs) And that was it. The plant was shut down because they weren't following COVID standards. And also he told the USDA inspector to go screw, which always isn't, isn't a good thing for your USDA plant. So what ended up happening was because that plant closed, everyone else was scrambling to find a new processor. And meanwhile, we had two processors because we had changed because I had a bad feeling. So I'm very proud of that story. It teaches you always to go with your intuition, always to speak up. And we were fine. We were in a good position and everyone else was left. Oh my gosh, where am I going to process this year? People couldn't find places. They didn't know what to do. And we were all set. So just a little good story for you. I thought you guys would enjoy. From a UC perspective, I've never had issues eating our grain fed beef. And I believe that's because everything on our farm is humane and we know exactly where the grain comes from. We know it doesn't have chemicals. If you are a big beef eater, be careful of store-bought grain-fed beef because then you may be dealing with beef from feedlots. Researchers have shown all the stress and trauma that cows endure on feedlots and the lack of humane treatment. So it's best to buy from a small local farm where you can ask questions and you know exactly where your beef comes from. If you have UC and only want to eat grass-fed beef, that's understandable, but know that the steaks are going to be subpar if they are grass-fed and only rated choice or below. Therefore, I would stick to grass-fed hamburger only. And that's what I do. I I do the grass-fed hamburger. When I go out to a restaurant, which is rare, I choose the grass-fed hamburger. And again, I think it's delicious. But if I'm going to have a steak, (laughs) which is, you know, why would I go out to a restaurant and have a steak when I have the best steaks here? So I don't really do that. A lot of times when I go out to a restaurant, I find their steaks really disappointing because our steaks are so good. I'm sorry, I have to brag right now. I never brag about anything, but I have to brag about our meat because it's really amazing and we are booked out for the next two years with customers. So you can't even order from us until I think now 2025. Uh, That's because Craig puts so much love and care and effort and time into the cows, into the farm. They have the best life possible and that comes out in the meat. If you have gained any knowledge, insight, or comfort from these episodes, please support this podcast, buy my book, my meditations, and donate. All the links are in the show notes. And as I always say, the one thing you can do is give me five stars wherever you listen, five stars only. In my household, when we have a perfect shit, you know, when it slides out of your body, it's a perfect color and solidly formed, and you're so proud of yourself that you turn around the toilet and go, wow. We call that a green heart. I wish everyone a green heart day.